My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Marty Haynes. Good morning, Jim Fleming. Happy 10th anniversary. That's right, baby. There we go. Come on now. All right, so uh, thank you for being here this morning. We are glad you're here. Uh, Go ahead and grab a seat, and we will jump right in. As you can tell, we have a lot to do, to participate in, and perhaps even to eat today. So um, that is a good thing. If you got your Bibles, open up to 2 Thessalonians. Um, Open up to 2 Thessalonians. This is week four of our uh, hopefully seven-week series in Thessalonians, in 2 Thessalonians. Uh, if you want to know where we're at and what we're doing today, uh, you can go to OurSundaySchool.com. It's our website. And over on the left-hand side of the Read tab, you can follow along with all the teacher notes or the student handouts, PowerPoints, audio, all of those sorts of things. So feel free to go to OurSundaySchool.com and click on the Read tab. Uh, so this is where we are in Second Thessalonians. So we're in week four. Uh, this is the end of chapter two. Uh, just a few verses, and I promise, I, I said this last week, and I promise I did not schedule this particular text for today, being our 10-year anniversary of our Sunday school class, but it works out really, really well. So if you have read today's text, you will understand that this is about as home run, uh, t-ball kind of stuff as we can get for what we are looking to do today. So if you've gotten your Bible, Second Thessalonians, uh, we're going to read all of chapter 1 and all of chapter 2 to bring us up to speed with where we are this morning, so I'll give you a sec to find that, and then we'll read through the text. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, Because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe. Because our testimony among you was believed. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, brethren, concerning, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be too soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit 
or by word, or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth to destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie and that they may all be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But... We are bound to give thanks to God always for you, beloved brethren, by the Lord. Because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Amen. I love that text. Is that not a great text? Because we go, it's almost, do you remember in Romans when we went through Romans and there was just chapter of condemnation and chapter of condemnation and chapter of condemnation? And I would come in here to teach and I would just be dragging, thinking, I can't condemn anymore, right? I mean, how much more condemnation is there in the world? And, and Paul goes through these first two chapters and he talks about all these really horrifically awful things that are going to be happening, but they are given to the Thessalonians as a comfort that this is not something that you have missed. This is not something that has passed by you. Jesus has not come and you missed it. All these wicked things are going to happen before Jesus comes. Comfort yourself with these words. And then he comes to verses 13 through 17, and he starts building them back up and building them back up and building them back up. And then this prayer in verses 16 and 17 that's just fantastic. And, and if, you, if you ever say, I, I want to pray for somebody, but I don't know what words to say, well, you just try 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. Because that's just fantastic. Like, that will work for anybody. So that's our, our kind of our literary and structural observations. It's this, we've gone through this emotional change, and he's encouraging them to stand fast. So let's jump in. In verses 13 through 17, did you see any repeated words? If you've got your handouts, grab your handouts. Should be at now. Did you notice today's handout? What is missing from today's handout? There is no staple in today's handout. That's right. I got it whittled down to two pages today. This was difficult, but it's two pages, all right? So what's the most repeated word in verses 13 through 17? If you just look at the words. You are. That's right. You. It's your first blank, the word you. You and yours used six times in this text. It is a very direct text. This is not something where there's a lot of wiggle room and there's, well, I don't, 
Who do you think Paul's talking to here? You think he's talking? To, yes, he's talking directly to them. Directly to them. It's a beautiful thing. Did, did, there's a phrase, and I think I heard it just a second ago. There's a phrase that shows up twice in this text, too. What's the phrase? Lord Jesus Christ. Now, all right, Tim, I want to ask you, this is a really difficult Bible question. It's open book, okay? Tim, guess what? You're Tim the Younger in the room today. Bam. Because my dad is here. That's right. Come on now. So for those of you that don't get that joke, we had a Tim the Elder, that was Tim Archer, and Tim the Younger, Tim Borma, who would sit kind of where Sean McGarvey is right now. And uh, Tim was Tim the Elder for a while, but now you're Tim the Younger today. So this is fantastic. So my question for you, because when we talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, we typically hear the phrase, the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Is that how Paul uses it here? It is not. So here's what I want you to get out of today's lesson. One of the big things is that Paul has wrapped his arms around Christ. He has wrapped his arms around the gospel, and he has wrapped his arms around these people. He cares for all three of these deeply. And when he talks about these people, he talks about us, right? And when he talks about Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, he talks about our Lord Jesus Christ, when he talks about the gospel, it's our gospel. So if you have a faith this morning that is, well, it sits on the shelf over there, that is not what Paul is talking about today. This is ours. I own this. I am fully engaged in this. These pronouns matter. So I don't want us to miss that this morning. So what do the words mean? All right, so those of you who have been in this class very long know that we're going to get some Greek. So if you like Greek, that's fantastic. If you don't like Greek, there'll be cake soon. So, okay. <laughs> All right, so verse 13. I have nothing better. What else do you want me to say? I have the words of life. We're going to talk about those. So verse 13, but we are bound. We are under obligation. Here's your blank. We're in debt. We're debt. Indebted. We owe. So there's an obligation to give thanks. Now, this is the same word that we looked at back in chapter 1, verse 3. This is eucharisto. Or eucharisteo. Uh, the, the blank there is C-H-A-R-I-S. C-H-A-R-I-S. And somebody remind me, what's this word mean? Charis. Remember? Grace. It's the Greek word for grace, right? And this particular word is the word that's used to describe the prayer that you pray at a meal. So those of you that have grown up in a home where you, or have a home now where you say grace over a meal, this is the word for that prayer. And this is also the word, the Eucharist, for the meal that we come together and eat as uh, different congregations and part of the body of Christ to celebrate what? Communion, right? Yeah, the Lord's Supper, communion. This is the Eucharist. This is the, the meal that we eat together. So, so when Paul says we are bound, we are indebted to give thanks, I want you to think about he's doing this at least as often as he is eating. So he's giving thanks for them at least as often as he is eating. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Would you feel adequately prayed over if you knew somebody was praying for you at least every time they ate? Yes. Absolutely, right? Yeah, this is pretty good. Great. Who's he giving thanks to? It's a blank there in your handout. To God. That's exactly right. He's giving thanks to God. He is not thanking them. Not that that's a bad thing. There's just a better option. 
He's thanking God for them. So we're bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren. And that's a plural you. It's not an individual you. It doesn't mean the, a collection of individuals. This is, I'm giving thanks for the collective you, beloved. Now, this is the word agapeo, agape. You've heard this over and over and over. Probably don't even need to mention this. What I do want to mention, though, is the particular Greek uh, tense that this is in. Now, I want you to look at something real quick. So let's look at the, see if we can figure out the tense from the context of the verse here. So I'm giving thanks to God, always for you, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning, so way back at the beginning, chose you for salvation. So this is some action that happened in the past that the results are continuing. So do you see a definition that looks like an action in the past with the results continuing? Perfect. That's exactly right. This is in the perfect tense. That's your next blank. And it's not just in the perfect tense. It's also in the middle voice. And the middle voice means the subject is performing the action for the subject's benefit. Read the verse. We are bound to give thanks to God always beloved by the Lord because God from the beginning chose you for salvation. I'm liking where this is going, folks. It's the perfect tense. Because God from the beginning, from the arch, for a long time I have thought about the story of Scripture. There's this beautiful arc. And some of you have heard this quote by uh, Martin Luther King Jr., right? The moral arc of the universe is long, but it... Maybe you haven't heard this quote. It... it, (laughs) Or not, but it bends towards justice. You've heard this, right? Because at the end of all things, what is going to happen? Justice is going to happen. There will be a righteous judgment by a righteous God where all things will be declared to be what they actually are. And the, the Greek word for this word for the beginning is this arch. So it's almost like we're going to go way back to the beginning of this arc of all storytelling, and that's where God did the what? That's where he did the choosing. I love it. So while we think that we actually got saved on the day that we repented and believed, there was another choosing that took place. See, God chose his children in the beginning, uh, and that was good. Did you see what uh, voice the choose there is in, too? It's in the middle voice, too. See, the subject did the acting for the benefit of the subject. See, we like to think sometimes that God chose us for our benefit. It's not exactly correct. God chose us for his benefit and for his glory. Now, when you go through life with the perspective that I was chosen by the holy being of the universe for his benefit... Do you see where Isaiah comes from now where he says, I'm a man of unclean lips, I am undone. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. What verse are we in? We hadn't got out of the first verse yet, folks. I love this verse. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord. Because God from the beginning chose you for salvation, for soteria, for this 
salvation, for this rescuing, for this delivering through sanctification. Do you see this hagiosmos? The Greek word there? Hagia, hagia, hagia is the Greek word for holy. So you can think about it for he chose us for salvation through holying by the Spirit. So there's a holiness process that the Spirit is going to do. Now, I want you to look at this. Don't miss this. We're still in verse 13, right? Who is the God from the beginning? Which member of the Trinity is that? It's the Father, right? Who worked for our salvation? Son. And who is effecting our salvation through sanctification? <laughs> it's like the whole Trinity there in one verse. So next time you hear somebody that says, well, I don't believe in the Trinity. Well, that's a shame because they believe in you. Um, for salvation, through sanctification, by the Spirit, and belief. This piece, this, this same word that we use several times in chapter 1. Belief in what? Belief in whatever you want to believe, right? In truth. Right? This matters. Right? It absolutely, completely, totally matters what it is you believe. Verse 14. Okay, we're going to get out of verse 13. <clears throat> to which he called, or bid forth, or called by name, you, plural, by, through, our what? Our gospel, our evangelion, our good message, for the obtaining or the acquisition of the glory, the doxa, this is where we get the word doxology, of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this calling and the obtaining was for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. The Greek word is stako. Now, Amy, I am thrilled that this is your week back with us. And we are so thankful that you are back and thankful to God that he has brought you to the point where you can be back. Because do you know what this word is? It's our very first one of these in 2 Thessalonians. What is it? It's a command. It's an imperative. That's your next blank. This is a present active imperative. This is the first time Paul says... Do something. I need you to do this. And the beautiful thing is it's not a whole bunch of action. It literally means, here's your next blank, to be stationary. Now, this is stationary with an A-R-Y, not with an E-R-Y. He is not telling you to be 30 bond uh, cardstock. Okay? If you spell it with E-R-Y, that is woefully theologically inaccurate. It's stationary, S-T-A-T-I-O-N-A-R-Y. It's to stand fast. It's, a, it's to be still. It's to persevere. Remember we talked about all these tribulations and these pressures and these things that are pushing? This is literally just stand still. This is not go work for your salvation. Go earn your salvation. No, 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 no. Jesus has already done this. That fight is already done. I am thankful it is because he did it flawlessly. This is stand still. Parents, have you ever told your kids, just stand still? Dad? You ever? I mean, like, honestly. You, yeah, thank you. Yes. Yes. I was perfect as a child, too. This is where my mom will, ri will rise up and object. Yeah, there she's, yeah. <clears throat> she's going to gag on that statement. Okay. So be stationary and hold the traditions. All right, you ready to have some fun? This is a compound word. It's paradosis. The first word is para. It means in the presence of. It means we are real, real close. Okay, Marty? Like, we're in the print, like almost to the point of like making somebody nervous. But I mean, you're a politician, so you're not going to be nervous, right? And then the second part of that word is dosis, which means the 
the giving of something. So if we are really close and there's some giving going on, what would we call that? We would be giving a what? We'd be giving a what? Gift. A gift. That's your blank. Yes, very good. The gospel's even for politicians. Yes. Well, hugs are fine, too. Is that a gift? Uh, depends on the person, I guess. So maybe. So here's what I need you to do. Uh, if you are into... So I need everybody in the room to hop up and grab a bag. Uh, but not the cake. Not the cake. Not the cake. Not the cake. A bag. Now, if you are into coloring, you may want to grab a bag with uh, pink paper. Everybody, hop up, grab a bag. If you're into coloring, you may want to grab a pink papered bag. <laughs> Morning, Jim. Morning, sir. That is pretty cool. All right, so I just had some great feedback from one of our punsters in the room um, who said uh, if it actually is supposed to be stationary with an E, this would perhaps explain Paul's command to us to be bondservants. I'm not worthy, Dave Barber. I'm not worthy. Like, that was just fantastic. Please keep texting me these. Please keep texting me these. These are wonderful. All right, have you opened your gift? Open your gift. Oh, my goodness. You get a car. You get a car. No, 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 no. Sorry. <laughs> I've been waiting for like three weeks to do that. So. <laughs> so let's talk about what this little book is real quick, okay? Because many of you just got the smallest book you have ever received in your entire lives. You're like, I think I can read that. Good. You can. It takes about 20 minutes. I'm going to explain this word traditions just a little bit more first, though, okay? This word traditions, look at the rest of the definition. You see the rest of the definition? It says a transmission, a precept, the Jewish traditionary law. Think about that in context for just a second. So Paul's just told them, hey, I'm writing you a letter. We circled around. We planted a church where you are. I've come to visit writing you a letter. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions. Hold on to the Jewish traditionary law. Wait, wait, what? Does that sound right to you? Do you remember that Jesus had this tendency to take a word and like totally hijack what it meant for something totally else? What did Paul give to the Thessalonians? Hint, it's in verse 14. What did he give to them? He gave them the gospel. That was the gift. That was what he's telling them to stand still and hold on to. Now, I want you to understand, this is not a stand still and do it in my own strength. No, no, we will quickly find ourselves on the floor. This is a stand still and hold on to the gospel. Because it is the power of God unto salvation. Does this make sense? This is how this works? Excellent. Now, who would like to share the gospel this week? Who would like to share the gospel? I've got a very simple way for you to do it. It's the gospel of John. You walk up to somebody and you go, I've got a book I think you'd really like to read. There you go. Awesome. Anybody else? Come on, here we go. 
This is the handout portion. There you go. Thank you very much. I'm looking. I'm looking. Skip, raise your hand. If you don't raise your hand, I'm going to smack you. Thank you. Okay, there we go. Excellent. Great, great. I do not have one in Spanish. I should have had one in Spanish. Okay. Yeah, they may not need this one. Here we go. I got one more left. One more. Going once. Going twice. Mom, there we go. Excellent. Thank you much. Did you hear the wind rushing by? It's how fast I am. I'm out of breath right now, but it's how fast I am. Yeah. It's okay. Do you see what he's telling them to hold on to? Hold on to the gospel. This is a good gift that we have given to you. Whether it was something that you heard by word, by logos, or through our epistle, through our letters, the gospel is the good gift. And then we get to this beautiful prayer. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, our Potter, our parent, who has loved, who has agapeoed us and given or ministered to or bestowed on us everlasting since the world began consolation paraclesis this is the uh, it's like a first cousin to the paraclete who's the paraclete the holy spirit right and good hope agathas anybody know a friend named agatha you might not it's kind of an oh you do know agatha excellent you know what that person's name means it means good it's like yay you have a good name it's a joke so sorry my inhaler's working overtime this morning. So. There's a lot of steroids in me right now. So, consolation and good hope by grace. This was not something that I earned. It was something that was given to us. And caris, comfort. Here's the parakleo. This is the verb form. Now, what is Paul doing right here? I told you like six times already. This is in the middle of a what? Verses 16 and 17 are in the middle of a... It's a prayer he is praying. He does this a lot in his writings. Sometimes you'll go, it feels like he stopped talking to them. Yes, that's exactly right, because he's talking to God right now, which is kind of crazy because the Holy Spirit is indwelling him, telling him to write down words that he is talking to God about. It's like theological inception going on, but it's, it's, just, it's here, right? So comfort. So this is a prayer. And I want you to think about for just a second the mood. Remember the Greek moods? The mood is the relationship from the author to the factualness of the words that the author is stating. So if you have an indicative, this is a statement of fact. I just gave you a gift. Do you hear that, that tone that I use? This is a statement of fact. This is clear. This is right. An imperative. I need you to open the gift. Right? Open the gift. Imperative. Subjunctive. I think there's something in the bag. Because I looked at them all yesterday. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is the case. Optative. I hope some of you will like it. See, I'm getting less probable here. Subjunctive and optative. Now, the mood here is what? What do you think the mood is? When I read it the first time, I thought, this is absolutely completely subjunctive, right? I mean, this is, yeah, this feels good. It's not. It's optative. And I thought, why in the world would Paul use the optative mood here? Because it's a prayer. He's praying for something to happen. And I thought, that seems a little weak on behalf of Paul. Typically, Paul kind of doesn't... He's like, just boom, let's get out and say it. All right, in your Bibles, go to 2 Thessalonians 3.3. 3. Somebody read me 3.3. 3. Who's got 3.3? 3, 3? David, you got it? Speak it up nice and loud. Who what? The Lord is faithful. 
who, will. who, what's the next word after who? Will. Will, will what? Stop. Indicative. Three verses later, we've switched to the indicative because he's not praying in that verse. He's stating in this verse. He's stepped back behind the pulpit and he's preaching again. The Lord will establish you. Now, here's the boldness of this letter. The boldness of this letter is that he just prayed something and now he's going to state it to be true. Now, this is not name it, claim it theology, lest you think this is where Paul is going here. This is nothing further from that. But this is the optative mood. So comfort your hearts, your cardia, your hearts, and establish, sterizo. Again, optative. Last blank there is optative. And establish you in every good, agathos, word and work. Now, I need a little work done right now. Ladies, can you help me out? We have some work to do. I have pre-established ladies that have set aside to do this work, so I don't need like 19 of you to step up. What work do we have to do right now? We've got to cut that cake. That's absolutely right. So um, we have uh, chocolate, we have vanilla, and we have strawberry. I have no idea which is which. I forget totally what I asked Publix to make. Um, hopefully my beautiful bride here will remember. We're just going to start cutting big pieces. Now, you're going to eat cake because this is not coming home with me. Okay, so some of you may need to like loosen your belt a little bit, but you're going to eat some cake, Marty, all right? That's a nice piece of cake. That's like a, a slab of cake, I would say, more than a piece, but sure. Now, some of you might be wondering, <clears throat> oh, oh, we have gluten-free cupcakes for those of you that are gluten-free, so we're not leaving you people who usually get left out out. So if you need a cupcake, we've got cupcakes as well. Anna Grace, you want to get those? Yeah, got those up here too. Now, some of you are thinking like, why in the world are we eating dessert before we would eat lunch? Well, there's a very specific reason for this. I am holding fast to a tradition that was demonstrated to me by my grandfather. Because he, when we would go out to eat, would eat his dessert first. Because you never know what's going to happen between now and the end of the meal. And we want to make sure we get the dessert in first. That's that's what I'm saying. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever, right? It's a fantastic family tradition. Y'all thought I was joking about eating cake. I'm going to eat cake. My favorite kind is strawberry cake. For those of you who like to cook. I'm not saying anything, but you know. I'm just throwing that out there for everybody's benefit. I've lost 10 pounds since Christmas. I'm going to put like all of them back on next week. Have we left anything off from the handout yet? What have we left off, Ms. Darling? What do we do with this, right? Oh, my goodness. Is this just head knowledge or are we going to do something? Yes, we're going to do something with it. They're going to keep slicing cake up here, and they're just going to start handing out cake to people that don't have cake. So your cake is coming. All right, what's the point? Who is to be thanked for thankfulness, for, for faithfulness? Who is to be thanked? God is to be thanked. 
and I would argue even praised, for faithfulness. So while it is a good thing to tell somebody thank you, that's fine, but thank God for the faithfulness of believers. What do we do with that? Thank God for faithful believers. And then tell the believers you're thanking God for them. It's very encouraging. See, the Thessalonians got to keep this letter. They'd have made a copy of it and sent it on. 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 And I don't know whose job it would have been to actually write the words, but that would have been pretty cool. I get to copy the fact that Paul is calling us out for faithfulness, and he's thanking God for faithfulness. So tell God thank you for faithfulness. Number two, everyone needs encouragement to persevere. Everybody does. That person that you look at and you go, well, like they're rock solid in their faith. Yeah, because somebody encouraged them. So encourage other believers to stand fast and to hold on to the gospel. And number three, the gospel is a gift. The gospel is a gift. And I I love, this is beautiful, isn't it? Devastated cake right there, right? (laughs) Devastated cake. (laughs) It is a band name. (laughs) I bet they'd have great after parties too, right? (laughs) So this is the picture I was hoping I would look at at the end of today's lesson. This is what I want our gospel to look like at the end of our lives. We have given it, we have sliced it up, we have given it away, we've given it away, we've given it away, we've given it away, we've given it away. Give it away. Is that your last blank? Yes. So give it away, right? Don't hoard it. Cake is not, well, maybe a little bit. Sometimes it's fun to be hoarded. But it's more fun to eat cake with a group, I promise you. So give the gospel away. All right. Next week is pray for us. This is verses uh, 1 through 5 of chapter 3. And then you've got your homework there, uh, asking the Holy Spirit for help, reading next week's text multiple times, talking to somebody, sharing, inviting a member or non-member. I'd be totally remiss if I didn't thank all the visitors this morning. Thank you so much for encouraging us, coming back and celebrating with us. Thank you for that. Um, It has been uh, my great pleasure. I sound like I'm going to stop teaching. I'm not stopping teaching anytime soon. But it has been my great pleasure to teach you for 10 years. Uh, And when I look back over these last 10 years, what I think about are all the different voices that stood up here and taught. Um, And there's somewhere around 30 of them, which I think is just spectacular, just absolutely spectacular. Uh, So celebrate. Please eat the rest of this cake. Uh, And then your weekly update is on your table. Uh, If you would uh, read through the prayer requests, pray over those. You can write down any new prayer requests on the left-hand side. Once you have uh, prayed as a table... Uh, you then are dismissed. And if you want to subscribe to our weekly podcast, uh, you can go to OurSundaySchool.com and click on the subscribe tab for that. And now the clicker is working flawlessly. This is fantastic. This is God's way of telling me, land the plane, Jim. So we will land the plane. So thank you for coming to Sunday School today, guys. Uh, And after you've prayed, you are dismissed. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.